out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are and that you have an opportunity to step outside and feel the earth for a little bit. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Barbara Shore, wildlife or non-domestic wildlife veterinarian, author and animal communicator. And today we hope to highlight that in any given community, we're always communicating with each other. This communication also exists in each wildlife community, regardless of its proximity to us people. Dr. Shore's work strives to help the human community appreciate the qualities that are replicated in animals through their complex social lives, emotions, and sense of justice. And we're going to get into that a bit more. Each animal species has its own function on the earth, which is intimately tied in with its form. No one species is any more or less valuable, regardless of the degree of intelligence or beauty it exhibits. It's fascinating to approach wild animals from this perspective and help us move away from regarding some animals as more or less worthy of protection than others, or simply as not being very separate from us after all. Dr. Shore completed a residency program in the non-domestic animal medicine at UC Davis, worked with California Department of Fish and Game, and spent a year working with wildlife in East Africa. Since that time, she's worked as, as an animal communicator, speaker, and author. She has published a book, Soul of the Wild, Intimate Messages from the Hearts and Souls of Elephants and Whales. Her current emphasis is to deepen and expand the connection between, excuse me, between people and animals. So I'd like to just start out a little bit and get you in the frame of reference that we're, today we're going to be talking from the point of view of the, of the animal, the animal's, uh, emotional lives and, uh, what they might be thinking, uh, irregardless of what we're thinking. So just as a little example, you're watching a wildlife nature show on a bat-eared fox and the nighttime Kalahari and how they hunt their mates and their cubs. Then one of the foxes, a predator, um, encounters one of its predators. The cape fox enters the scene and you watch rapt as the two species of foxes form up in their eternal dance of survival of predator versus prey. The narrator, upon the death of a cub, says, and the Kalahari claims another victim. That's an emotionally loaded and anthropomorphic 
anthropomorphic statement. The script could have well said something else that disconnected us, that was drier, saying um, the circle of life and the nightly ritual of the fight for survival carries on in the Kalahari night. So what we're trying to do is help people through our wild world and these conversations to connect a bit more with the other species and earthlings that we live and share our planet with. So now I'd like to introduce Dr. Barbara Shore. Welcome aboard, Barbara. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. So I'd like to lead in with um, just a little information about you and your work. And um, I understand you recently had a workshop, which I'd like to get into after we've talked a bit so people understand a bit more of of who you are and what it is you're doing. So um, if you could give us some basic understanding of how you communicate um, and the language bridge and the interpretation needed so that we get an idea of how it is you communicate with animals. Okay, well, um, how I communicate is, boy, it's some of it is still uh, a mystery to me. I don't understand all the workings of it. But for me, I go into a place of stillness, of quiet, and I focus my attention on a particular animal or a species of animal, and I start asking questions. And um, the information comes back to me either through my writing or sometimes I speak it verbally and it's my my sense of this is that I'm actually merging energetically with the consciousness of the animals that I'm working with and so they're able to speak with me and sometimes through me in that way okay well that um you 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 had a very powerful and loaded statement there which um I'd like to ensure for our listeners that we're not talking something airy-fairy or like communicating with spirits or holding a seance kind of thing. I understand um, probably some rigid science might not be willing to accept uh, the communication uh, application that you're able and willing and have taken on to try and help people communicate and understand what animals are thinking. So... Um, if you can, explain just a little bit about this consciousness and how it feels when when you're connected. Do you need to be near the species or are you connecting into, let's call it, the web of life, that deeper connection that holds us all together? Well, no, I don't need to be in the presence of the animal, which is really interesting. It's It's taken me some time to really believe that this is possible, but it's true. And And I feel like I am connecting in with that web of life as you call it or or um a different level of consciousness and uh or um as Rupert Sheldrake Sheldrake has called it um the morphogenetic field so there is um a realm where where all all beings are connected in consciousness and we always have access to that world. I mean, in the, the, the Australians call it the dream time or, or, um, different things to different cultures. It's where the shamans work. And, um, it's really, really amazing to be able to enter that realm and, um, relate to all beings. Would it be similar, I'm sorry, would it be similar to like that hypnagogic stage that we enter into just before sleeping and going into the REM state? Is it 
sort of like Carlos Castaneda um, and that that separate reality. Is is that where, where you go? I don't know if I go there. I mean, for me, it's a lot more um, here and now and very conscious about it. It's not like I disappear um, at all. I'm completely, wow. totally present. And I'm just talking like you and I are talking. I'm talking with um, the consciousness of an elephant. For instance, so how do you how do you know how do you know when it's an elephant or a wolf or a whale? How do you know who who you're reaching? I'm, well, I'm not, yeah. And, and, and please, I'm not teasing you here. Honestly, I'm I'm speaking from a genuine sense of curiosity because I often feel I am connecting and communicating when with the species that are around me, especially when I'm on the ground in Africa, and I never really. Um, put it into words thinking oh i am communicating or talking to the animals but um i'm genuinely interested in how do you know when you have connected yeah and i know your intention i know your intentions ellie and and this is great that you're asking these questions because i'm positive that when you say you feel these animals and that you're communicating with them you are it's not some mysterious, far-out, airy-fairy, woo-woo kind of thing that I'm talking about. It's every day for those of us who love animals and spend time with them, there's a communication going on. And it may not be through words. It may not be through pictures. It may just be a feeling or it may be we know something. And it's taken me years and years to get over this um, idea that it's not possible or that I'm making it all up or who knows what. Um, and because I've worked with animals in a physical way for so long, sometimes the information seems so ho-hum to me um, that it's like, well, this isn't a big deal. I knew this. But so- we know things from from being in their presence that um, maybe some other people don't know. And part of that is what I'm calling communication. I think that's an excellent description, um, and I think that's what we're here talking about is what is communication. Uh, between people to people, we have language. We have, whether it be English, um, German, Swahili, or Spanish, we are communicating. And I think sometimes it's hard for people, as you said, to understand that it may not be uh a language bridge per se as we understand language in terms of text or the way we're talking to each other but any child any person knows with their with their pet their domestic pet that they are communi- communicating you can tell by the um the quirk of an ear or the 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 cock of a head and the angle of a head and the expression in your dog or your cat's eyes that they are talking to you so i would say anybody would understand that they are communicating with their animals and i guess what we're trying to do here you and i barb is to say that the animals the birds the squirrels the rabbits the lions the elephants the whales they're also communicating to us and it is not so very different as long as we allow that presence to enter us to understand that they're communicating i think that's the draw for people to go on a whale watching trip or on a safari um how would how would you have people help connect and transfer that feeling they have with their pet into a larger sense of connecting to the to the the wildlife and uh, animals that uh, exist around them without us being necessarily um, cognizant of them all the time? 
Yeah, great question. Um, I've been thinking about this for a long time because that emotional connection we have with our domestic animals is so profound and there's so much love there. If we can realize that all the other animals have have those same uh, capacities, the same emotional um, realms that the, that our that our dogs and cats and horses have, it's just amazing. And and the value of the wild animals, as opposed to our domestic animals, I think, um, is that. They are not so connected with us. They're not the, one of the one of the blessings of our pets is that they take on a lot of our emotions and our physical illnesses, and they help us in many ways. The wild ones are just living their lives as wild animals, and so they can embody these qualities that, if we tap into the qualities that they represent, like freedom or um, passion, joy. Joy. Joy, happiness. Exactly. exactly. If we can tap into that and just receive it from them and form this uh, communion with them, it's just um, really beautiful. And that's part of the, what they're doing. They're, they're imparting these qualities to us and, and, and their beauty. I mean, so they're trying to give us a clue all the time. They're trying to give us a clue. Yeah. And perhaps because we're not so connected to the wild animals as we are to our domestic pets and that deep emotional connection, um, we're not always hearing what they have to say. It, yes. We, and okay. yeah, and a, exactly. And as we said, it doesn't necessarily come in words. And that might be a point too for some people because it's sure been an interesting journey for me is to think that Alliance speaks to us in English, you know? How do I get <laughs> these words from a lion or, or an elephant or a giraffe? How do, how does that translate into words? And the well, only way, it? yeah, well, the only way I can, I can relate to that is that I'm getting, um, thoughts i'm getting feelings i get to a lot of i have a lot of feelings that i get through emotional feelings especially and my brain automatically for me translates that into words and sometimes it's not even automatic sometimes i have to really i'll have a whole concept that comes to me and it's pretty complicated and sometimes i can't just interpret it easily into words and I know in the writing of this book, when the when when the elephants or whales would give me this big message about something, sometimes I'd have to say, you know what, I don't get it. Can you make this a little simpler? And then they'd tell me a story, a little um, uh, metaphor, or analogy, or something that would come, so I could really make sense of what they were saying. Well, do you have an example of that you could share with us? Um. I think you admit in, in your book, which I've been reading, um, Soul of the Wild, Intimate Messages from the Hearts and Souls of Elephants and Whales. This book is available through Barb Shore at her website at barbarashore.com. That's Barbara, S-H-O-R, all one word, dot com. Or you can link up with her at Facebook uh, at Barbara Shore One. Or, um, at, in, or receive her newsletter. If you'd like to be in touch, you can contact her through her website or contact Wild Eyes at wildeyes.org. Um, and uh, the book is available directly through Barbara, or she's been so kind to um, 
share the book with Wild Eyes Foundation and a portion of the proceeds uh, supports Wild Eyes' work in the field with wildlife. Um, do you have an example or can you give us a little bit of an excerpt? I don't want to spoil it for people and I would love to hear it from your perspective because when we read, we, we create our own voice and we create our, our own images. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share an excerpt from your book. Oh, an excerpt? Probably, I don't know if I have an excerpt to, on this particular uh, point. Not necessarily I, this point. And it, just to, to give us an idea of how this communication flows through us and or through you, through from them, through you. Okay. Okay. Why don't I just read a piece um, that came to that's that's at the end of my book, and it's from the elephants and whales um, talking together at the end. Oh of the wow! Book. Oh wow! And and. <laughs> So wait a minute. Let's back up a second. So, because this I, this didn't even occur to me. So you're in the consciousness and you're receiving and you're talking. You're you're communicating. So it's not just one species at a time. These species are like a whale, who's the largest um, uh, marine mammal, and an ele- elephant, the largest land mammal. It didn't occur to me that they would be communicating as sort of something in common with each other. Uh, this is fascinating, so I would love to hear this. Okay, and let me just preface this by saying that the information I've received is that uh, it might seem strange to communicate with a whole group of elephants and the whole group of whales and then both of them together. But what I've been told is that we are able to communicate consciously with the consciousness of just about anything. I mean, that in- includes the consciousness of Mother Earth, if we want to go there. Well, I so, think that's what all the, the current writings, like Lynn McTaggart's The Bond, or, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, uh, excuse me, um, Beckoff, uh, what's, I forgot his first name all of a sudden. Mark, 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 Mark Beckoff's book, uh, Wild Justice or Animal Manifesto. There is a lot going on out there about, um, reaching and tapping into this other side, this other perspective of communication and just simply accepting that animals do have similar feelings and resonations within the planet as we humans. Um, I'm sorry, so, so go Yeah, on. exactly. So, so we can communicate with an individual elephant, one elephant. We can communicate with a group, a particular group of elephants, say African elephants, or communicate with the, um, with all elephants and then call in whatever we want. I mean, it's just, it's there. It's one consciousness. We were talking about analogies. And one thing that the whales gave me when I was writing the book about how this consciousness works, it's like the universe is this huge, uh, cake. Okay. And it's made <laughs> and, and, and there are many pieces to the cake and we can each eat an individual piece of cake but it's all made of the same substance so my perception is that consciousness is one substance that um that is part of everything and so if we can tap into that consciousness that whole cake we can we can um we can work with just about anything so 
Yeah. So we've, we've got about eight minutes or so till break. Would you um, like to share this little bit sure. with us? Okay. Sure. Okay. This is from the elephants in Wales. Beloved humans, our brothers and sisters of the earth, we come to you now jointly as one voice. For a very long time now, human beings and animals have shared the earth and have lived together, sometimes in harmony and sometimes in conflict. In times of destruction and violence, all of us have been harmed, sometimes beyond repair. This needs to end. We can no longer tolerate or even survive the devastation that has resulted from inharmonious and at times malicious intent. You are most likely not the ones who are doing harm to the world of nature. You are caring and compassionate, loving and wise, open-minded and open-hearted. Even so, you, as part of the human race, must assume responsibility for the actions of others, just as we must assume responsibility for our end of this. What we ask of you is quite simple. It does not require any major commitments or obligations. You have enough of these already. Instead, we ask you to slow down. We ask that you explore your hearts and pay attention to the messages of your bodies that are so attuned to universal forces and divine wisdom. Let yourselves get quiet and feel into the great knowing that you already have within you. It is from this place that you will sense and know the reality of which we speak, that all life is sacred, that there is no hierarchy of souls, and that each living being has consciousness and awareness. You will know that everything that exists is part of one reality, with one mind and one heart at its source. There is no separation and no difference between us at the level of the soul. If you can live your lives holding this awareness in every moment, you will not only experience the great love and support that is yours without conditions, but you will also impart this awareness to others automatically, simply by virtue of the divine energy coursing through you. One being elevated in consciousness and love is a candle that ignites the consciousness of all other beings. Wow. It, is our, it is our deepest desire that someday we will work together, not as elephants, whales, and human beings, but as fellow souls, to create a new way of being on this beautiful planet Earth, a way of honoring all life as sacred, a way of knowing one another in the depths of our awareness as one and the same, a way of protecting and cherishing every little fiber and molecule of life so that nothing is disturbed or destroyed needlessly. A way of loving so profoundly, so honestly, that nothing and no one need ever feel alone or ignored, and certainly not abused or exploited. We can all live in harmony. We can all nurture and support one another in a beautiful, elegant manner. This is not so far beyond our reach. All it requires is a willingness to open up to a world that is beyond what is now accepted by human consensus reality, an openness to accept some things on faith rather than relying solely on tangible physical evidence, and ultimately an allowance of the divine life force to penetrate our very essence and teach us things we could not otherwise know. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak. We love you. We appreciate you. We acknowledge you. And we put great trust and faith in you to make this world a far better place than you can imagine, even in your wildest dreams. 
and we will be here with you to share it all. Thank you. That's very powerful, and I'd say that sums up the crux of not only what I feel, but what this show, Our Wild World, is really trying to um, help people understand is that uh, there is there are voices out there and there is another voice beside the human voice that resonates from the planet uh, that is communicating to us. And hopefully we as people can step outside the confines of our own language and our own um, the, the parameters and the boundaries of our mind to start accepting the other voices that we hear out there. Um, this is Our Wild World. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Please call in at 866-472-5788 or email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's wildeyes, W-I-L-D-I-Z-E. And uh, we would love to hear from you. So I think right now we're going to head to a break and we'll get back into a bit deeper um, uh, ex- ex- discussion, conservation, conversation, wildlife, uh, uh, emotional lives after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. 
welcome back to Our Wild World and our special guest, Dr. Barbara Shore, uh, animal communicator, a non-domestic uh, animal veterinarian, and a rather amazing person and author of Soul of the Wild, Intimate Messages from the Hearts and Souls of Elephants and Whales. You can uh, learn more about Dr. Barbara Shore at her website at barbarashore.com. That's S-H-O-R is how she spells her last name. And you can also connect with her on Facebook at barbara.shore1. Um, so we have been talking about uh, the, the deeper consciousness that connects us all, which is a subject that our wild world has been um, uh, talking about since the inception of our, our episodes that we are all connected and um, Barbara has a, a fascinating perspective that is coming up more and more in, I don't want to call it new science, but the acceptance of science that animals do have emotional lives, they do have a sense of justice, a sense of fair play and a sense of communication that exists outside of people just because we're not talking to them or they're not using English does not mean that they are not communicating to us or to each other and the excerpt that Barb read from her book just before our first break was a fabulous uh, message from elephants and whales that highlight the fact that we are communicating and it is sort of up to us people to open our minds and remove some of those barriers and accept the fact that there is communication going on all around us and that it's kind of up to us to tune in and listen to it. So um, with a lot of, there's a lot of research, a lot of excellent books out there by a variety of authors, one of them being Mark Beckoff, who's an ethologist. He's a, uh, I think, professor emeritus at uh, Colorado State University. There's Martin Kehoe. There's Carter Niemeyer. There's Dave Smith. There's Glenn Martin. They all have fabulous books, and they all tie into us learning to us being people learning to step out of our physical boundary and join in to the emotional and mental landscape of consciousness to recognize that there are others out there. So I'd like to talk with Barb a little bit more about um, the acceptance of this. And it, how do you see, Barb, that the acceptance of in your work throughout your travels that this acceptance is happening or do you find it still quite a barrier? Wow. Well, um, you know, I've been working with this for about 20 years and when I first started, um, I felt so different from people and, and a lot of people, particularly veterinarians, scientists, academicians, people like that, um, I think they thought I was a real weirdo. <laughs> and, and but, wouldn't I, you, but wouldn't you think that they would have to, that whether they wanted to admit it or not or say it out loud to their colleagues or fellow professionals, I would think with, with, especially in a veterinarian practice, if you are working on the health and well-being of an animal, whether it be a domestic or a wildlife, you would have to have some sort of an understanding that there is something going on outside of your mind. Outside of, of course. Yeah. Of course you do. But to admit that and to take it to another level is scary, and it forces you to change an entire paradigm of the way you see the world. Absolutely. And 
and for me, it's taken these 20 years to just um, let go of some of these things that I was trained to think and allow some other ideas and thoughts to come in that that don't necessarily don't necessarily go along with this consensus uh, of thinking. I think you just mentioned a really good point. Paradigm shift, for one. Um, I've been talking about that a lot on Our Wild World, and it's the, the need for a paradigm shift in thinking. And the f- simple fact that some people don't want to say out loud what they do know in their hearts or in their deeper consciousness for fear of either ridicule or professional um, black marks, whatever you want to call it, or being locked out of a, of a conversation. Um, but I do find with a lot of the research that's going out there and recent books up to about 20 years ago, I'd say you're absolutely right. It's been over the past 20 years that uh, this is really coming up more and more that there are other consciousnesses out there that we can tap into. Do you find it becoming um, a bit more, for lack of a better word, easy to uh, be open and discuss this in in a much wider range? Oh. For sure. It's, there have been tremendous changes, especially in the last five or ten years. And, um, I'm not even aware of all of it, but, um, I know that people are opening up a lot more to new ways of looking at things and just a lot more open-minded and open-hearted than they used to be. So in your profession of being a veterinarian, non-domestic, um, I'd like to know a little more, more what that means. So, but in your profession, do you find and you had mentioned training. So are you finding that the training uh, where they're, they're studying in school, in college, in master's degrees is incorporating some of this? Yeah, well, I'll say right now that I'm not working as a veterinarian as much as the animal communication. I'm not not um, doing as much work in the field anymore. But um, but I do know that a lot is changing in in the way that people are trained in school. For instance... At Colorado State University, which is where I graduated from vet school, there's a whole center for that that uh, about the human animal bond called the Argus Center. Oh wow! And their whole focus—it's really a fabulous program—and I spent uh, a week there taking a course um, a year or two ago. And they teach people to honor the animals and to really respect that human-animal bond. They deal a lot with animals who are dying, and they help people through that process. They even do ceremonies for animals, and um, it's really a wonderful program. So Uh that's one example. Um, you brought up an interesting thing. There's also been hospitals that are bringing in um, therapy animals. And uh, there's one story that I had seen about a cat that uh, would go into the rooms of people who were um, on the way of passing on to the next journey, a kinder way of saying leaving this earth, dying and moving into the next realm, and that these animals can sense uh, this change. There's a lot of research out there that using dogs to sniff out cancers and diseases and uh, how a lot of time that is so-called poo-pooed, but we all seem to notice uh, animals have an, another sense uh, that's a little, not only because they're capable uh, in their sensory uh, receptors, sight, smell, and, and taste, but that this would naturally lead to a deeper sense in their consciousness and, a, and an ability to notice things that 
we sort of block out in our limited parameters of uh, the, I'm going to call it the functioning brain that we typically use. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that, but um, in terms of uh, the animal bond that you were talking about, it's, it's fascinating to know that I graduated from CSU, so that there was no um, program like that when I was there many, many years ago. I'm not going to date myself by saying <laughs> when, um, but it's fabulous to know, and in, in a lot of the reading that I've been doing and preparing for this show and talking with you, um, I've mentioned Mark Beckoff. He's he's one. He's very well known. But there's some that are a little less, lesser well known. There's Martin Keogh and his book, Hope Beneath Our Feet, Restoring Our Place in the Natural World, which is fabulous reading. Um, of course, there's Lynn McTaggart's The Bond, which talks uh, is about a 15-year um, consummation of research from previous books that helps us understand the changes in science, neuroscience, psychology, physiology, neuropsychology, neurology, uh, regular medicine that taps into this larger consciousness that we are all connected to a web and that um, the vibe we put out there doesn't just come from us and flow out like DNA sending messages. It also comes from out there all the way up to the universe, the sun back into us. So the old argument of nature versus nurture is not so black and white anymore. Um, we are, our DNA and our, our bodies are turned on and turned off by our environment. So it's absolutely, um, uh, paramount that we accept the fact that communication is happening on other levels beyond just what we're talking to each other on a daily basis. And we talked a little bit earlier about um, how to tap into this, uh, this, this bigger, this larger consciousness, this web. Uh, do you have any suggestions of uh, let's say an exercise that people could do that is that when they're out on a walk, when they're in their natural world, when they're recreating in our wild spaces or our national parks, that could help them tune into and quiet their mind from the human conversation going on to listen to the natural world. Yes, I think the most important thing is just to be quiet. You know, our... Our lives have become so busy, and um, and there's so much thinking going on all the time in our heads. Well, how can anything come in when when our brains are full of a million thoughts and things we need to do? So I think the most important thing people can do is to just be quiet. You know, when you're in nature, take a take a few minutes to just sit down, rest. And let your mind settle. And or, of course, or, yeah. or, or just walk and take the uh, earbuds out of your ears. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, stop the car and instead of looking at your feet walking forward or talking to your companion, listen to the world around you. And this is what our wild world and a lot of my conversation has been about. It's we will not be able to um, change this our, our relationship. And I don't really like the word change. Let's say reorient our relationship to the natural world around us unless we let it in. And in order to let it in, we have to be quiet. You brought up a really good point. Let's say your average urban 
suburban office worker has left the office, turned off the computer, and is going out for lunch. So they pick up their cell phone. They start emailing. They have the earbuds. They go to the gym. They're watching TV. They're doing their email, and they're listening to music all at one time. Not only does this short-circuit our brain waves so that we never get into a place of a rhythm, which takes at least 30 minutes to level out our brainwave rhythm to get to a place that we can intake everything we've just listened to or has been input into our brains, learning, children, uh, stop and take a break with no input, no electronic input so that you can actually absorb what you're, what you've learned and now go take a break and turn it all off and absorb the world around you. It's really important. And I think, I think both Barb and I will, will suggest that when you do take a break and listen to the silence, that it will no longer be silence and it won't be noise. You'll start hearing the sounds of the world around us. Yes. And there are some other uh, points to this too. Um, one is like, for instance, when I'm driving and I see a hawk flying, uh-huh. if I can, I stop the car. And I will just get quiet for a minute, and sometimes I'll get these messages. It's pretty interesting. They're like these messengers. Um, but but there are books that can be helpful, too, like Ted Andrews wrote a couple books. The first one is called Animal Speak, and then he's got a follow-up, and it goes through all different kinds of animals and what they can represent and the most important thing for people is to um, trust your own feelings about this. I mean, there may be, he may be saying that um, that a certain animal represents a certain thing, and it may not resonate for you. So pay attention to what's true for you. These are just ways, these are just, or the animal uh, medicine cards by Jamie Sams. They're I was just, just going to mention those. I love those. Yeah, they're really fun. And there are ways to tap into the consciousness of the animals, but they may or may not resonate with you personally. It's the same as interpreting dreams. You know, there are all these dream books, and dreams are fascinating, but we each have our own, our own symbols and our own ways of relating to the world. So, so some of these things are guidelines, but they may not be exactly what you need. And I think the more you practice with these things and and get used to thinking in that way, thinking that there may be a message that you haven't been aware of or think, thinking that there's something in this um, that could really shift something for you. Well, you bring up a good point. Uh, not only dreams, if you have recurring dreams and an animal is represented in your dreams, there are dream books. A lot of them are religious-based and um, you know, represent that animal in a religious term. But there are others out there that just give the um, strengths and weaknesses and the spirit meanings, like the Native Americans, of what these animals represent. And unlike tarot or reading a card, it's a message especially with the animal cards. I do my animal cards a lot, especially when I'm stressed out or trying to figure out an answer. It's not like asking a question, will I be happy? Will I get married? Um, the animal cards are more about finding the strengths uh, in the animal that might be roaming through your life or through your dream. If you see a lot of hawks, if you see a lot of rabbits, if you see a lot of squirrels and you just find yourself noticing that 
particular animals keep popping up in your life, whether physically or emotionally or mentally, stop and see what that animal is telling you. That's a form of communication. It's not always just by accident that these animals are popping into our lives. They might actually be trying to communicate with you. So it's worth our time and our effort to take a little break and learn a little more about that animal and what it might be saying. Um, their behavior is it has a lot to say to us, and it's not all just rigid science that play behavior in a long, young lion cub is preparing it for fighting and mating later on. They actually have joy. They do have play. They have uh, time and joy and communication where they just enjoy being with each other and want to tell each other that, which is the same as us, us people. Exactly. So, uh, There's one more point I want to make with respect to this about about what people can do and and that is um, to 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 really feel appreciation and gratitude um, because that opens up a whole world and it can lead to um, deeper love if you see an animal that's absolutely gorgeous or a tree and and you really have deep appreciation for the beauty or the or whatever it is whatever quality strikes you about that particular uh animal um, that leads to a place of reverence and which is a form of love and my real true sense is that the kind of communication I'm talking about, which, like, like I said, isn't just words, but real communion, uh, attunement, communication, comes from a place of love. And we know that what we love, we are not likely to harm. We're more likely to um, protect and treasure. And so I think that sense of appreciation is, is very, very important and to let ourselves really go there. Absolutely. And this ties into the work that we do in Africa. It's a very different uh, relationship with wildlife or animals in Africa than we have here, which we've discussed over the last several shows. And one of the points that we were making that has come up with some people is that aesthetic of appreciation or a culture of appreciation or enjoyment of wildlife, that it's not in the Disney sense that they are there to entertain us. I think Barb has hit this nail on the head, that if we stop to listen and commune a bit more into that larger consciousness that's out there, we will grow the our, our appreciation not only for for the animals out there in our earth that we depend upon for our survival, but that will lead to a paradigm shift in how we treat each other. And uh, especially today in our our hectic world where we're getting so isolated from each other with our technology, not that our technology is bad, it is, it, it, it's a tool and we can use it with wisdom or we can use it with um, lack of, of, of good effect. But the more we communicate and tune in, to the larger world around us, the more we will appreciate each other, which will eventually, as I think what Barb is saying, transfer to how we treat the natural world. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> One big word. Yes. So, um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm, what I'm getting from you is the sense that the communion and the communication that you have with the natural world and especially other thinking beings that we know for sure have emotional lives. I, I can't speak to the emotional life of of a, of a tree, but I know 
there's something out there. There's a, 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 a resonance and a vibration that a tree provides. I have a bit easier time thinking that an animal is saying something than a tree, but that's not a, that's not a, that's not a comment saying that a tree doesn't talk. But, um, what I'm, I'm, I'm getting from you is that if we take this time, then it's, it's helped, um, you navigate through your relationships, your human relationship. How, how has that worked for you? Well, of course, it's all the same thing. We're not all that different from the other animals, you know. So, so I think to just be uh, aware of of the reality of other beings and what they might be going through, and to have compassion for them and understanding is a big piece of this, you know. And it's and of course it it extends to human beings. And one thing I, I that comes to me to say here is, you know. When we watch what's happening in the world and and the poaching and the culling and um, what we're doing to so many animals and the you know so many animals are endangered now, um, it can be overwhelming and we can I know for me it's easy to go into a place of despair and hopelessness and all that, but what I'm learning from the animals really is like you say Ellie this sense of joy. And there is so much hope there and so much positive wisdom that they can share with us. And my sense is that they truly, truly want to work with us and to, to make this a better place for all of us. And if we can go to that level and, and really connect with them in that way and listen to what they have to teach us, um, we can work together and make really, really positive um, changes that will benefit all beings. You, you bring up a good point. You know, we have moved into the animal realm. We've built our houses in their space, in their habitat, in their environment without much thought of who we're, who we're moving into, the, the landscape that we're moving into. And Mark Beckoff talks a lot about this in his book, Animal Manifesto or Wild uh, Justice or any of his other books. And it's, it's a good point, as Barb says, for us to remember that we have moved into someone else's space and that the wildlife around us is willing to live with us. So in, in talking in a lot of what I've been mentioning throughout the various episodes of this series is what kind of planet do we want to live on and what kind of animals do we want to have out there. It is our choice. And uh, we should start making this choice because there is so much out there worth living for that the wildlife and the, uh, the habitats provide for us, the, the free services that we humans need. So um, we're about to end our show here. So I guess what Barb and I would like to pass on is open your mind. Listen to our wild world. Find out what's going on in your world. And we hope to see you again next week on Our Wild World. And Barb, I would like to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, people, look up her website at barbshore.com. And uh, perhaps tune into her book, Soul of the Wild, Intimate Messages from the Hearts and Souls of Elephants and Whales. So once again, Barb, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Ellie. It's been my pleasure. And we'll tune in next week to Our Wild World. Enjoy your day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 